Welcome, traders, to the SPACs attack. Mitchie's back, and we got my man, the brains, Chris Ketchy. Welcome to the show. Hit the like button. What up, what up, what up, my SPACs attack community? Welcome back. Yes, yes, I just took off the sweater. Wanted to rep the Benzinga swag, so definitely, definitely hit the like. Check out our swag at swag.benzinga.com. Let's bring on my man, the brains to this show, Chris Ketchy. Hey, what's going on, brother? Welcome back to the show. We uh, we missed you yesterday. Um, I know you saw in the chat because you were in there that lots of people missed you. But, you know, the good news was we had Spencer fill in, you know, so shout out to Spencer for, you know, keeping the show going yesterday. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We don't stop on Spax Attack, whether it just be one person, two people. We're, we're always here, always getting through the news. Excited to get to our interview later today, the ETF that is SPXZ. Guys, Morgan Creek Capital, we're going to get in towards that. Uh, we got Mark Yusko, really excited to get towards that interview. But before then, let's get into some headlines, maybe take a look at what we're seeing on the watch list. And of course, Chris, take us back. All right, guys. Yeah, so not a ton of headlines out there. No new deals, no new rumors this morning. So very heavy on, you know, earnings as it has been the past couple of days. Up first, though, we did get on uh, MP Materials, ticker MP, uh, Morgan Stanley coming out. They maintained an overweight rating, but they did lower their price target to $40. Um, you know, MP currently, you know, testing that 25-ish range. Um, you know, as you know, this has been one of my favorites, uh, long-term um, SPACs. So keep an eye, you know, on this level here. But, you know, that $40 price target still a bit of ways away. But, you know, Morgan Stanley coming out, um, you know, and lowering that target. And an uh, interesting one here, uh, BOWX. So this is the SPAC taking WeWork public. Um, I've questioned a little bit, you know, of whether we're going to see that office space demand after the pandemic. And uh, the CEO actually told Bloomberg that their demand is higher than pre-pandemic levels right now. Um, so a robust sales pipeline, and they're estimating revenue of $3.2 billion for full year 2021, excluding China, which is at par with both fiscal 2020 and fiscal 2019. Um, you know, so keep an eye out on this one. Uh, I, I was a little off here. It looks like that demand is higher than I thought. Um, so we'll see if shares can continue to go higher. Then getting into some of those earnings. So we have STIC, which is taking BarkBox public. I do own shares of STIC. They announced preliminary fourth quarter and full year revenue. So fourth quarter, they see revenue increasing 79% year over year to $112 million. And subscription shipments increasing 70% to 3.5 million. New subscriptions, 264,000, up 73% year over year. And then for the full year, they see revenue up 69% to 378.6 million. Subscription shipments up 52.5%. 
and new subscriptions of 1.2 million, up 91%. For the first quarter of 2022, they are guiding for revenue of 116 to 118 million dollars and then for the full year revenue of 516 million and a net loss of 41 million uh so keep an eye out on this one you know as they get closer to completing that deal and then we have hec so hec bringing talk space public first quarter net revenue up 144 percent to 27 million Total active members up 110% to 60,000. Their business to business reached 55 million eligible lives as of May 1st. Their full year guidance now $125 million. Um, keep an eye out on this one, uh, HEC with Talkspace. Then we have Ajax, AJAX, um, you know, one of the, the highly publicized SPACs out there. Got the deal for Kazoo, a, a car sales company in the UK. Um, they reported a 481% year-over-year increase in revenue and 9,762 vehicles sold in the first quarter. Uh, vehicles sold up 373%. Their uh, revenue per vehicle up. They also talked about several acquisitions they've made, uh, including Cluno, which will help them accelerate into additional European markets. They're planning to launch Kazoo Europe in Germany and France by the end of the year. And they opened four additional Kazoo customer centers, now have 17 open in the UK. Um, keep an eye out on this one, but hasn't gotten much love from the street since that deal was announced. We have SBG. Merging with Owlet, we of course had the co-founder uh, on the show not too long ago. So they reported uh, net revenue for the quarter of $21.9 million, up 47%. Gross margin of 58%. Record revenue in that first quarter was driven by robust sales volume growth of the Owlet SmartSock and the Owlet Monitor Duo. So they also said stronger than anticipated uh, e-commerce sales. Um, which was interesting, you know, as, as a key growth driver. And then also international expansion um, in Europe, which was one of the items that was highlighted um, when he was on our show. So keep an eye out, SBG with Owlet here. And then we have a TBA, their merger partner, IronSource, raising guidance today. So they're a leading business platform for the app economy. Uh, they now see in the second quarter revenue of 120 to 125 million, up 66 percent. Um, adjusted EBITDA of 40 to 42 million, up 99 percent. And for the full year, revenue of 480 to 490 million, up 46 percent. Um, so keep an eye out. We haven't seen a ton of these SPACs that have come out and you know raised their guidance. Um, so TBA here, um, which has performed, you know, okay. Um, you know, trading over that $10 mark here, you know, keep an eye out. That was strong guidance from them issued this morning. And on CNBC Fast Money last night, uh, skills getting some discussion, SKLZ. Um, one of the uh, analysts said that Amazon should buy skills. Um, so we've seen skills, you know, be a popular target here, you know, with Kathy Wood defending the company, several short reports, and now CNBC showing some love. Uh, and calling it an acquisition candidate. And that's something that um, uh, Will Hershey from uh, Roundhill mentioned when he was on the show, talking about how uh, Skills ha has some patents that could keep it you know, ahead of the competition. 
Then we have ATAC approved their merger with Al Rock. That was the vote yesterday. FSRV set a merger vote date for June 7th. And yesterday's rumor, rumor of COVA, COVA, up 2% on a SPAC rumor with Ticket, which is a Indonesian travel company. Um, but again, no new deals, no new rumors. Uh, Mitch, I said yesterday on the show, our, our calendar is, is filling in nicely. We've got a couple votes coming up at the end of May. And then June, we have you know about a dozen deals um, with those merger vote dates. So uh, it looks like uh, dates are ramping up here. What do you think? Definitely, definitely. We have them right on below here, guys. There's so many that I just wanted to put it as a scrolling ticker so you could see them all there, guys. So definitely take note of these merger vote dates. And one of the things that I've been seeing and I'm going to focus on is the de-spacking and what I call the fifth wave, the valuation period. Let's see how that really develops in the next month. One of the things that I always look for, and, and I've done this a long time, guys, is when I see kind of these long-term pullbacks, I look for kind of a three month of pullback and then look to see if we can break out of the three month trend. Right now, we're getting closer towards that as we continue seeing kind of this uh, from March time, you know, when we're getting this pullback. I think in June, we're really going to see that three months give up. And that's really what I'm going to be watching to see if a bunch of these SPACs start roaring back. And, and, and I know that probably Chris will be watching the same. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, you, you talked about the DSPACs. We do have a couple earnings coming up too. You know, I mentioned a bunch on the show today, but, uh, you know, Genie, uh, Genius Sports on uh, the 20th, which is tomorrow. So that'll be their first quarterly report since completing that SPAC merger. It'll also be the first quarterly report since uh, announcing they landed the NFL deal. So I'm excited to hear, you know, maybe if they have some uh, some new guidance for us, right, going forward. So something to watch with that de-spacking process. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I'm noticing in the chat, you know, a lot of people saying that they hope they'll come back. At the end of the day, Nate, what I would say about that is that some of them will come back. I can almost guarantee that not every single SPAC is just going to go away because some of these companies are good companies that they were ahead and gotten purchased up and now on the public market. It's just going to take some time here. One of the things is you're seeing what is in favor, what's out of favor, wait till we get back into favor. And then you're going to start seeing some of these SPACs really start making a move. I think that we'll start seeing maybe even a, a different trend, Chris. Um, I'm thinking that you in the long run, maybe not even in this month, but look for in the next month and going into Q3, I'm going to be actually looking for merger vote dates to not actually knock us down, but actually after we merge to go up on that announcement. This hasn't happened. This isn't the pattern that we've been seeing, but something I'm going to be looking out for. Maybe you guys should be doing the same. And you know, Mitch, one that we discussed yesterday on the show, TPGY, um, down another 6% today. I don't know if you saw that news, but they came out and they said that their deal now, they don't know if they can get done at the current valuation or get done at all. Um, EV Box, a charging infrastructure company, which is their target, has to restate some financial reports um, mm -hmm. after an audit. So, you know, we, we already saw one company, it was that last month where they changed the valuation um, you know, of the deal. I, I think that's another trend to watch. I think some of these deals that were announced in January, February at the peak SPAC time, 
I, I think we might see some of these valuations change. Um, you know, one that I think I, I'm not sure that if we got into it on Monday, Chris, did we touch the the Rover earnings? I don't think we did. That one doesn't sound familiar. For was that I Monday? Got you, I got you. Yeah, it was Monday. They had strong Q1 gross booking value of sixty-five million. A Q1 new booking of one hundred and two thousand at an average of seven dollar average customer acquisition cost. March gross bookings value increased sixty-seven percent year over year. This is one that I'm definitely looking at, guys. And this is uh, I'll, I'll put up the chart right now. And reason why is I just think this is really a, a kind of reopening play. And I think you're going to see really strong earning results coming into the next quarter. And so one of the things that I'm looking at is when do I get in? Because really this one's been going kind of on a downtrend. And so that's the, that's really going to be the question here. I'll pull up the chart here. Uh, this is NEBC, guys. NEBC uh, going to be merging with uh, kind of Rover here and one of the things I'm going to be looking is when do we get back above that $10? Because I'm not trying to catch the knife, right? And so I'm going to be waiting, guys, here to when we get back above that $10. Remember how I used to talk about this always, guys? Above 10 sideways two days sounds good to me. And so that's what I'm going to be looking for, guys. I'm going to be looking for this stock to get back above 10 trend up there, close up above 10, two days in a row. And then I'll be looking to go ahead and size into NEBC. This is one I'll be looking at towards going into Q3 and going into late summer because I expect this summer to for them to make the most money that they probably ever have made in a quarter. All right, so let's go ahead and let's get into our interview. Now it's time to have some fun. We got an interview coming up next here, guys. I'm super excited to get into this. Chris, do you want to go ahead and introduce? Yeah, guys. So another exclusive here on SPACs Attack. Joining us on the show today, we have Mark Yusko. He's with Morgan Creek Capital Management. They have an ETF, the SPAC originated ETF, ticker SPXZ. Welcome to the show, Mark. Hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, Great. How about you? Good. Am I uh, am I on? You are. You are on. Okay, You're cool. looking I, good. I, 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 looking good. Nice, nice background. Yes. Nice. How are you guys definitely, doing? Definitely, definitely. Hey, doing great. You know, one of the things is when we have those red days, I think it's really all those days to do research and have great guests like we have today. So thank you for joining us, Mark. And I'll let Chris get into some questions and then awesome. I'll come back with some of my own. Awesome. Perfect. Let's so do it. Mark. Mark, before we dive into to the ETF here, just wondering if you can give some of our viewers a little bit of background uh, on yourself. Yep. So quick quick story is uh, I came out of the endowment world. I worked at my alma mater at Notre Dame, and then I ran the endowment here at, at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Uh, left there a while back and started a firm called Morgan Creek. We bring that endowment model of investing to other investors, um, individuals, uh, other pension funds, endowments, foundations. And we invest across all assets from traditional stocks and bonds to hedge funds, to private investments. And we really got involved in SPACs uh, over the past year. Uh, we've invested with a group called Exos Financial run by Brady Dugan, and they you know, Brady built the team that is the Axe in SPACs at Credit Suisse. Uh, he built Exos as a digital investment bank and uh, also advises in the SPAC space. And, and I kind of did a deep dive 
into the space about a year ago and actually did a presentation called What's So Special About Special Purpose Acquisition Companies and kind of saw the light that this is now, we think, the preferred method of going public for high growth innovative companies or what we talk about as the companies of the future. So we run two products. One is a SPAC arbitrage fund, a hedge fund that takes advantage of, of this incredible structural arbitrage in SPACs themselves pre-deal announcement. And then we have the SPAC originated ETF where we are buying what we believe are the companies of the future and building essentially a liquid late stage venture capital firm or fund uh, that the individual investor can, can get access to. Awesome. So, you know, you mentioned a couple SPAC products out there. You, you've been involved with SPACs. You know, we, we've been talking SPACs on this show since we started. And, yeah. you know, one of the, the biggest questions out there, you know, is kind of the talk of, are we in a SPAC bubble? Are there too many existing outstanding SPACs out there looking for deals? So what's kind of your thoughts on the, the overall uh, SPAC big picture here? Yeah, so I, I read a great piece literally a half an hour ago that, that I'll use here and I'll, I'll quote uh, Lou Kerner. Lou is a buddy uh, in the crypto space. I spent a lot of time in the crypto space as well. And he wrote a piece this morning, uh, basically reprising a piece that he wrote in 2017, saying it's not a bubble, it's a dot, dot, dot. And what it is, is a blip. And what, what we're experiencing in the SPAC market is a transformational wave uh, of this methodology for going public. There are three ways to go public, a traditional IPO, a direct listing, and a SPAC merger. And I believe going forward, about one out of every two uh, IPOs or, or going public events will be a SPAC merger. Uh, and it'll be dominated by high growth innovative companies. And the reason it's a blip and not a bubble, is if you go back, and, and I use Amazon as an example. I grew up in, in Seattle, so back in the old stomping grounds, there's this little company that from 1997, 98 um, to 2000, uh, actually until 2001, went up 75 times, right? From $1.50 to a peak of, of 70 some odd dollars. So a uh, huge increase. And then it collapsed down 95% over the next year and a half. And so people want to say, oh, it was a bubble when it went up 70X from the IPO. Uh, and then they say it was a crash. Well, if you had bought it at that quote unquote crash, uh, you're up about 540X from you know, then to today. And so the problem is volatility, right? Innovative companies where their best days are ahead they're unknowable what the value is, right? You can't, you can't do a dividend discount model on space tourism. How many space tourists do we have today? That would be zero. How many are we going to have tomorrow? Don't know. It won't be me, Chris, but there will be some people who do pay to go up in space. And so trying to value these companies is really hard. And so what people focus on is price. And price is volatile. Price is a liar. I use that as a hashtag all the time. The price does not equal the value of something. The price is what two people agree to exchange a certain amount. And so when was the right time to sell Amazon? Look, Amazon, for the last 24 years since it's been a public company, has had a double-digit drawdown every single year, including this year. The average drawdown is 31%. 
twice more than 90%, five times more than 50%. When was the right time to sell Amazon? That would be never, okay? How many people bought it at the IPO and hold it today? Jeff, his mom, his dad, and now his ex-wife because she got 25% of his. That's it. No one else can handle the volatility. So SPACs are the same thing. The thing that's happening in SPACs today that people are missing is we had a 20-year movement by private equity to de-equitize. We went from 8,000 public companies to 4,000 public companies. And that is bad for the individual investor because private investing is a walled garden that keeps out the average investor. Oh, we're trying to protect the little guy with the accredited investor standard. Bullshit. No, that is to protect the rich people so they can keep the deals to themselves. So the average investor now through the SPAC process is getting access in a democratized way to the best companies of the future. And just real quickly, and then I'll hand it back. If you look at last year, the year of the SPAC, we set a record for the number of SPACs. We set a record for the amount of dollars raised in SPACs. One out of every four IPOs was a SPAC merger. That's in terms of numbers. If we do dollars, it was 53% because the average SPAC is bigger than the average IPO, which has information content on quality, bigger is better. And two thirds of those merger events were in five industries, space travel and exploration, autonomous vehicles, electrification of vehicles, online gaming, and esports. I already said, how many people do we have traveling to space? Zero, but we will have some in the future. If you would have told me okay, a year ago that the guy explaining how to do betting on the Kentucky Derby would get more airtime than the horses, I would have laughed at you. So how big, a comp how big an industry is online gaming gonna be? Monstrous, companies like DraftKings, et cetera. How about esports? How many people know that this year more people will watch esports than every other league except the NFL? More than basketball, more than baseball, more than tennis. The kid, and he's a kid, 14 years old, who won the Fortnite World Championship this year, made more than Serena did for winning Wimbledon. That's awesome. So all of these companies of the future, you don't get to buy them and go straight up right? You're going to have volatility. Volatility is your friend long-term. If you can hold, if you buy at the top and sell at the bottom because you're afraid, that's why the average investor underperforms. But you have to have discipline to buy these assets that are good companies and hold them for a long time. Mark, you know, I got to say the chat is loving this and I am too. Um, you know, I know you've been on pre-market prep before. You you came highly recommended from all of them. And I, I know now why that is. Um, you know, I, I, I love the comments, you know, zero people in space. Yeah, I, I'm not going to go to space anytime soon, but mm -hmm. I, I do want some space stocks in my portfolio because I think it's, you know, long-term growth. Same with, you know, the sports betting. Uh, I also have several of those in the portfolio as well. So, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I think this is spot on. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm wondering if you can expand a little bit on this. So, you know, you mentioned yeah. some of those segments. So what are some ideas, some ways, um, you know, or some individual stocks that investors can, you know, target these industries? What do you like best out there in space, sports betting, uh, esports, et cetera? Yeah, look, you know, in that in that present, it's a great question, Chris. In that presentation, I did, you know, what's so special about special purpose acquisition companies? I went, kind of went through the history of SPACs, and look, for the first forty years, which is a long time, of of the SPAC industry, 
it was not a pretty place, right? It was the NIT tournament of going public, right? It was only there if you couldn't get into the NCAA, right? If you couldn't go public in a traditional IPO, you went to the SPAC market. And not shockingly, it was frequented by really crappy companies. That's a technical term, crappy. And some unscrupulous financial sponsors who were foisting their bad stuff on the public. And unsurprisingly, the return to SPACs for you know 40 years was really bad. And they changed the laws in 2015 to encourage real businesses, real companies to use this methodology for going public. And so what they did is they relaxed the rules on having to have profits, having to have revenues, and the ability to make forward-looking statements. And so if you go back to 2010, 60, 60% of SPACs that were raised had to liquidate, meaning they raised money in a blank check company and couldn't find a deal to do. That is a crappy outcome for everybody. Okay, by 2015, when they started to change the rules, that had fallen to 20%. Last year, zero liquidated. So companies actually found deals. So in this presentation, I go through all this history, and in this one part, and if you want the presentation, you can actually just go type my name, Mark Yusko, into YouTube, and you'll see a little channel called Around the World with Yusko, and it's in there, What's So Special About Special Purpose Acquisition Companies, along with a bunch of other presentations. And I show this picture. On the left-hand side is Chamath and Richard Branson. And I say, I'll bet on those guys 10 times out of 10, self-made billionaires, entrepreneurs, okay? If I'm going to bet that someone is going to figure out space tourism, those are the guys, all right? On the right-hand side, I show a picture of a former congressman, a former Goldman executive and not an investment guy, but an administrator, and a former author. Probably not going to bet on those three. Now, doesn't mean they're not nice people, but them coming into the SPAC space is not surprising. Why? Because when something gets hot, when something gets bubbly, not the actual product, not the actual process, not the actual SPAC itself, but the market around it, whether it's IPOs, whether it's a certain industry, when everybody starts coming, you're going to get some unscrupulous players. You're going to get some lower quality. So the original players, high quality. Some of the pretenders, and you know, now we got the celebrities. And now celebrities is unique, right? If Shaq does a SPAC, I'm in. I don't even care what he does. I'm I'm on deck. Same with LeBron. Okay. A-Rod, if he sticks to baseball or sports, maybe I'm interested. But uh, you know, former congressman, not interested. Now, the guy who I really want to back in a SPAC, chameleonaire. The guy is an investing genius, former rapper. Uh, most people think, no, not really that interesting. Guy's a pretty good investor. So I would like to, to back him. But this is a long-winded way, Chris, is saying that uh, who's going to do space? Well, I think Virgin Galactic has a pretty good good shot. Uh, I think it's, it's going to be tough to have multiple winners. I do think it's probably a winner takes most, if not winner takes all. So I'm, I probably put my chips there. In electrification of vehicles, Look, we got we got the cult of Tesla, and you know that stock is wildly overvalued. Uh, you know, good product. You know, stock price not real, not really great. People hate me when I talk about this, but but it is what it is. Uh, they have this little problem that their liabilities exceed their assets, and they're not really profitable, and they'll probably never actually make a profit selling cars. And uh, you know, the only reason they made numbers this past quarter is because they were traded Bitcoin well, which that might not be going so well this quarter. We'll see. Um, but 
Are there other businesses in electrification that are interesting? You know, we don't like Nikola. That, that doesn't seem to be any there there. Uh, I think more the play on electrification is the sensor companies, uh, the components companies, uh, battery technology, someone who actually has real technology, I think is interesting. When you go to autonomy, look, autonomy is going to be huge, but not right now. We need to get 5G right first. Because here's the thing. I live in Chapel Hill. We call it the People's Republic of Chapel Hill um, because the NIMBYs won't let us have enough cell towers. So every day when I drive home, I'm on my phone talking to somebody and I say, okay, hold on. I'll be right back. I'm going through the dead zone. Talking on a cell phone, dead zone is not a problem. If my car were trying to drive me and there's a dead zone, that's a problem. We cannot have dead zones and have autonomous vehicles. So until we fix 5G, we can't have autonomy. And, you know, Elon promised us a million robo taxis last year. We have zero. He promised us a million this year. We have zero. We'll probably have zero next year, but it's coming. And so it's going to take time. Part of the problem of markets right now is gamification, right? Last year, COVID happens, we do this stupid lockdown thing. We lock everybody in their apartments and their homes and we take away sports and we take away Vegas and human beings like to gamble. So what do we do? We send them free money and what do they do? They gamble in the stock market, okay? And there's a difference, right? Investors buy things based on fundamental data, fundamental things like volumes and ideas and, and business models. Okay, that's what investors do. And investors, you can determine the value of something and then you buy when the price is below that value, you sell when the price is above that. That's a fundamental investor. There are traders. There's nothing wrong with being a trader. A trader sometimes uses fundamentals, but mostly uses momentum. And you can be long or short. Go long, go short, no problem being a trader. Shorter time horizon, not really fundamental, mostly momentum. Then there are speculators. Speculators, they're not even evil people. They just buy because the price is moving, right? And they get long and the price is moving and that's what they do. And speculators throughout the course of time coming at the end, some make a lot of money and then most people lose money. And that, that's reality. The problem is the gamblers. Gamblers have no business in the stock market. And what is a gambler? A gambler who has no knowledge, no special expertise, totally buying on price. But here's the problem. Gambling, the only winners in gambling are people who get lucky early and leave, right? If you keep gambling, the odds are against you, you will lose money, right? If you sit down in Vegas and you hit a hand in blackjack and you keep playing all night, you will lose. It's just the way the odds are. Now it is possible if you get lucky and leave, you can come away with profits. And those people will then tell their story how they won and everyone else lost for the rest of their days. But gambling in the stock market, like what's going on in GameStop and hurts, hurts. The equity is worthless, right? That equity will be extinguished. That is like playing musical chairs with no chairs, right? Eventually, everyone's going to lose. But if you trade that early, right? If you speculate early or gamble early and get out, fine, great. It's like Dogecoin. Doge is everything that's wrong with the markets. It's a joke. It's not real. Yes, the price is moving and people are buying because the price is moving and some rich guy said to buy it because he owns a lot that he's selling to you. By the way, when people tell you to buy something, look what they're doing. 
Because if they're selling to you, that's not good for you. So anyway, I digressed from the, do you ask me a question about SPACs? I can't remember. I, I did, but you know, I, I know the chat wants to hear about this ETF. So I want to turn to to SPXZ here. It, it's an actively managed SPAC ETF. Tell us a little bit about why is this uh, ETF actively managed yep. and how is how is it different from some of the other SPAC ETFs we've seen out there? Yep, there are three three SPAC ETFs and, and two more just got, got launched, but there are three today. One buys SPACs, okay? And they do a great job and they buy SPACs and it's it's really, they buy the SPACs either in the IPO or in the aftermarket and then they sell around when the deal is announced. And those are SPACs. And that's part of the problem, Chris, is there's this conflation of terms, right? A SPAC is a SPAC, right? It's a special purpose acquisition company. It's a blank check company. It's a trust full of cash and treasuries. Then they acquire a business or they merge with a business. And then that business goes on and de-SPACs. And then it's a post-merger combined entity. Virgin Galactic is not a SPAC. DraftKings is not a SPAC. Diamond Eagle Acquisition Company was the SPAC. Okay, DraftKings is the company, the operating entity, the post-merger combined entity. So there's, a, there's an ETF that just does SPACs. That's what we do in our SPAC arbitrage fund. We buy SPACs, we sell when the deal's announced, we keep the warrants, we compound at 12 to 16%. It's a really nice deal. That's fine. Then there are post-merger combined entity-focused ETFs. There are two of us. One is capitalization-weighted. We are equal-weighted. Capitalization-weighting is simply a momentum strategy. All passive is not passive. It's just slow-active. Think about the S&P. Over 30 years, 85% of the companies in the S&P will turn over. It's not passive. It, it doesn't do nothing. It's just slow active. And capitalization weighting, meaning you buy something as it becomes more valuable or, or higher market cap, is simply a momentum strategy. You're buying more things as they become more expensive and selling things as they become cheap. That works in a liquidity-fueled bull market. It doesn't work as well in a different market. So we think value beats growth going forward as liquidity starts to uh, be reduced. And so that's an area where we thought there was an opportunity to, to do uh, active management and equal weighting as opposed to passive. Now, we launched at a very inopportune time and uh, technical term, we've got our butt kicked a little bit here as everything has gone baby with the bathwater. But look, as investors, not traders, we're investors, and investing is the only business I know where when things go on sale, people run out of the store. And the cheaper the price, the further they run. So we love the fact that we're able to buy things that we think are the companies of the future at cheaper prices. Now, that doesn't help in the short run, and, and that is what it is. But we are a play on venture capital investing. These are companies that used to be private and we're going to stay private. Now they're in the public markets and we want to accumulate ownership, just like buying, you know, uh, Amazon back in 2001, 2002. So with this being called, you know, SPAC origination uh, and then having, you know, some of these former SPACs, so DraftKings, DermTech, uh, Virgin Galactic, is there is there a timeline at all of, you know, when you yeah. would need to, to sell these or, you know, will you just hold them until they, they meet kind of that thesis um, yeah, going forward? Great question. So our, our goal is to own for a long time. Our goal is to own for multiple years. Now, we do have some risk management overlays that if, if something were to change, 
dramatically in something uh, and, and the price rolled over really hard where we just, you know, we, uh, Nikola is a great example of that. So, you know, it, in the early days, we would have said, okay, this is an industry we like. It's a sector we like. So, you know, looks like an interesting play. But the when we launched, it had already gotten into such an extreme down draft that we just stepped to the side and said, well, falling knives, right? In investing, falling knives are very dangerous, right? Because if you grab them, you cut your fingers off. I like to let them hit the ground, bounce around a little bit, and then go pick it up by the handle. And so maybe Nicholas survives, maybe it doesn't. We do like electrification. We do like technology uh, that they say they have, and we'll see if they actually have. So that's one we didn't invest in that we might invest in going forward. Uh, things like DraftKings, look, we think that's a business to own for a very long time. Uh, Virgin Galactic, look, if you have to bet, look, I'm not a space tourist. I'm not going into space, just not happening, not interested. Um, but I think people will. And so if you if you believe in that industry, uh, then that's one I think you, you should own. Uh, there are a lot of other areas that we think are interesting. FinTech, we think is a spectacular area. There are going to be a couple crypto uh, acquisition uh, coming out. I'm actually involved in one that is coming out uh, as a board member. So I really think over the next three-ish years, I think we'll get back to kind of 6,000 public companies. It's pretty cool. Um, so we'll have a peak at eight, a trough of four, and we'll get back to six. I think most, uh, at least half of those, at least half of those will, will be SPAC mergers. And I think that will create a lot of new supply for our ETF and other investors. So I want to talk a little bit about some of your top 10 holdings. Um, XL, Danimer, Ride, Skills have all been, you know, targeted by some short reports out there. Yep. Do you pay any attention to these short reports, um, you know, or do you just, you know, say, hey, we did our due diligence and, you know, that we want this in the ETF going forward? Uh, look, it, it, it's such a great question. And uh, I, I'd like to say, you know, we don't pay attention to them um, because I, I, I really don't understand, quite honestly, how we can have uh, such stringent regulations where Martha Stewart goes to jail for, for doing something that probably a lot of people have done. And yet someone can take a position in advance, put out a report with some things that are truthful and some things that are exaggerated and some things that are just false and get away with that. That seems manipulative to me. Uh, but because it's not insider trading, it doesn't apply. I think it's worse actually than insider trading, but but it is what it is. So I'd like to say we don't pay attention, but but we do. And it makes us question our thesis. It makes us review the allegations and assertions. And, and again, this is not new. I mean, we've been tech investors for a long time. My big thing is that innovation is an asset class. And the best investors in history overweight innovation. In fact, my pinned tweet on Twitter is the greatest wealth is created by investing in something that you believe in before others even understand. And you'll be mocked and ridiculed and it's worth it. So, you know, we've been attacked or holdings we own have been attacked by, by short sellers for a long time. We're big investors in China. We have an office in Shanghai. We've invested in all of the big China names over the years. And and they've all been accused of, of all kinds of malfeasance. I mean, Alibaba, for example, 
but all they do is get bigger and better and, and excel in, in innovation. So uh, again, long-winded way of saying there, there are certainly elements to some of these reports that we think make good points, um, but we think a lot of them cross the line into uh, conjecture and in some cases just downright uh, malfeasance in the sense of saying things that just aren't true to incite negative price momentum. And so I'm not a big fan of, of that strategy, um, but I think the world in which we live where everything has become polarized and everything has become immediate and and it's not been deemed illegal, I guess I have to deal with it. Awesome. I got one more question for you here, Mark, and then I think Mitch wants to jump in. So, sure. uh, you know, just a broad-based question here. You know, we hear all these announced deals. What's been an announced deal where the market reacted either, you know, sending it way higher or way lower that really surprised you based on either the, the target or the valuation? Yeah, look, I mean, the easy one there is is the SPAC man, SPAC. I mean, look, I, I think Bill Ackman is a reasonably good investor. Uh, I, I, you know, he's had some big wins. He's had some big losses, um, but he's, he's certainly wildly successful. And, uh, but to, to take that SPAC up just because it's him, I mean, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, he has no track record of identifying private businesses. That, that's not his thing. Um, so, so we'll see. That one, that one surprised me. You know, another one we're actually involved in, in that, um, you know, we got involved in uh, the Humasite uh, Alpha Healthcare Acquisition Corp. And that thing popped a lot right on the deal announcement. Again, probably more than it it should have. And look, I I do a, a little uh, podcast called SPAC Edge uh, on Apple Podcasts. And, and I've interviewed a bunch of really cool people about, about the SPAC industry. In fact, I should have you guys come on. Um, we should do that. And uh, I did the, the, the sponsor of Alpha Healthcare Acquisition Corp and the CEO of Humasite. And, and look, what they do is truly science fiction to science fact. You know, doing human tissue engineering to create blood vessels is mind-bogglingly awesome. And if it actually uh, is as big a deal as I think it is, uh, it's going to change, you know, a world for a lot of people who are, you know, in trauma uh, or, or have accidents so or genetic defects. So I think that could be a really big deal. But I I thought the the hype on the deal announcement was was too big. And I think the correction now it's selling below trust value, which is just stupid. Um, I think was was too great. So those are a couple examples. So we've talked sports betting a lot on this show. We've seen lots of you know sports betting companies go public via SPAC. So maybe just expand a little bit. You know, you mentioned DraftKings. Are there other companies that you're watching in the sports betting sector? You know, do you think this is a, a couple winners take all, or is this could there be you know ten to twelve operators you know long term? Um, I'm, I'm probably in the latter camp that there there it isn't. It isn't a winner take all. I, I think it probably is a winner take most. You know, there are big brands in most industries, um, but I think there are plenty of niche op opportunities for for betting. Uh, I think we'll we'll see a lot of markets develop. I mean, imagine betting on esports, right? Not something we really think about. It probably happens, and it probably will develop even bigger. Um, so 
I, I can't tell you off the top of my head other ones that I really like. I do like DraftKings a lot. And, and again, full disclosure, we were involved in DraftKings pre-Diamond Eagle. So we did a convertible bond into DraftKings because we liked the story, um, encouraged them to do the SPAC uh, merger as a way to go public. And, and it's worked out nicely for our investors. And, and we do, you know, we do like it long term. I think the, the interesting thing, look, if, if you would have told me, again, two years ago, that there would be people on ESPN telling me how to bet the over-under, I would have laughed at you. I would have said, no, that's just not possible. But it is. And uh, and I think it's it's going to be big. You know, I've invested personally in, in the private markets in a company that, that does uh, like natural language processing of questions you might ask if you were thinking about doing a bet. Like, you know, how many threes did Steph make in the last five games? And it'll tell you the answer. And you can decide if you want to bet on the number of threes he's going to make in this game. So I think that, you know, entertainment value is going to continue to, to rise. And I think they're going to be companies maybe on the periphery, maybe DraftKings and, and one or two others become the dominant players in the actual, you know, uh, betting piece. But I think there will be service providers around that kind of like investing in the infrastructure around Vegas or Atlantic City or Macau. Awesome. You know, Mark, I've loved this conversation. You know, we could keep going, you know, all day. We're going to have to have you back on the show. Oh, be great. So, and Mitch and I would be more than happy to join your podcast, you know, as you mentioned. So we're going to do uh, it for sure. Guys, again, Mark Yusko, the CEO and Chief Investment Officer, Morgan Creek. The, the SPAC ETF is SPXZ. You know, thank you, Mark, for taking time out of your busy schedule for joining us on the show. And we look forward to keeping in touch with you. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for all you do for the space and, and trying to get rid of the FUD and uh, focus on the fundamentals. I would say facts beat FUD. And uh, the more of the fear, uncertainty and doubt we can get uh, away from people and get them to focus on on the long-term fundamentals and, and to be investors and traders. I'm okay with trading, but let's stay away from speculating and stay away from gambling, except online. We can do that. Yeah, definitely. You know, thanks again, Mark. Uh, we'll see you soon. Okay. Thanks, guys. Be well. Thank you. All right. I want to bring Mitch back on here. Uh, and guys, uh, drop a one in the chat if you can hear Mitch. Um, I was able to hear him. Uh, and I think a couple people in the chat said that they could as well. So I'm not sure uh, what the audio issues were there. So Mitch, say hi. And then everyone drop a one if you if you can hear him. Marky didn't like me. Marky didn't like me. And we he already got a like one. Me, guys, See? he didn't like me. Hey, we'll have. You wanted to back. talk to the brain. We'll have the Mark back here. on, guys. Holy cow! What great information we just got on the SPAC industry, right, Mitch? Like that was that was insane. I I learned some. I, I love his transparency. You know, you guys just got you got some schooling on uh, the SPAC market today with Mark Yusko. So, you know, awesome insight. We also got some picks from him and some ideas, right? So esports, sports betting, space, fintech, electrification. You know, not a fan of Nicola. We did hear that, right? But otherwise, you know, some some great picks. So, uh, Mitch, I know we want to talk about one of the movers out there today. Um, you know, before we have to wrap. So I, I have mentioned it, you know, a couple times this week, but we have Ride, R-I-D-E, 
Lordstown Motors running again today. Looks like up like 6% today. It was up double digits at one point earlier today. You know, so this one has been running since Monday. Monday, originally, they were going to report those quarterly earnings. They postponed that. But instead, on Monday, they announced that on June 21st through the 25th, they're going to invite investors, analysts, customers, and partners to their uh, headquarters in Ohio. They're going to do factory tours, presentations, and test drives of the Lordstown Endurance um, which they say will be the world's first all-electric commercial pickup truck. So while this is going on, we, of course, have um, Ford in the background, right, unveiling the F-150 Lightning tonight. Um, you know, they had Joe Biden last yesterday. Check out Joe Biden driving this truck. I don't know if you guys knew, but presidents and vice presidents are not allowed to drive while they're in office. So Biden had to get special permission to do this. And, and he told the reporters here in this video, someone asked him if he would buy one and he said, yes. Um, you know, so Mitch, what are your thoughts? I'm thinking that if Ford talks about a price and a, a timeline for this truck tonight, um, and again, that's at 9.30 PM Eastern time. So the market will be closed. I could see ride shares dropping tomorrow um, you know, if we get some good news from Ford tonight, because again, this could be a, a first to market, you know, really winning uh, some of those customer orders. What are your thoughts on uh, riding Ford here? Yeah, I think you're 100% right. You know, one of the things that I've been talking about is, and and you're not only mentioning ride here, what I would mention also is look out for a Tesla downfall. It's right now off of support and could get destroyed with kind of the news of Ford coming out and, and really competing in this area. You know, a lot of people are still uh, keeping their eyes on the Tesla truck. But to tell you the truth, I mean, it doesn't look like a truck at all, right? I mean, this looks like a real truck here in, in Ford. And one of the things that I liked is that they did use the name of the Lightning. The Lightning was uh, one of their most popular uh, trucks. If you guys don't know, these were the trucks that were made out of their SVT uh, uh, performance line, which is really what the difference between SVT and kind of the regular uh, vehicles is that it, they're hand built. So that that has like that that background, that branding behind it so that people are going to really be strong in, in the branding. And so one of the things that I'm going to see is, you know, there's a lot of Ford fans out there. You know, I think now we're going to see how do they compete with the Tesla fanatics. I know we got Jason Rasnick out there in the chat probably thinking I'm crazy thinking that Ford is really going to compete here. But I really do think in the long run, I think this is going to be the best selling EV truck. Yeah. And, you know, the, the Ford F-150 truck is the best selling truck right now. So to be able to transition that already well-loved truck, that well-loved brand into the electric model. I, I think you're right, Mitch. I think, you know, this ends up being the, the leader in the space. My, my questions, you know, as I said, it, it's it's about what range, pricing, and, and timeline, right? Because those could be determining factors. Who gets to market first? Who's cheapest? And, and who has the longest range for, for the battery? So, you know, no idea if we're going to get all those answers tonight from Ford or if it's just going to be, you know, videos and photos. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about it tomorrow on the show, too. But um, I would be careful chasing ride on a day like today when it's already been up three days, knowing that there's that event tonight that could send shares down tomorrow. So that's all I would say. And, and Ford, on the other hand, 
you know, again, this event's at 930. So will shares, you know, close up today? Will they trade up in the after hours? And what happens tomorrow, um, you know, after this is done? So, uh, you know, all questions that remain to be answered tonight and tomorrow. Definitely, definitely. We're going to get some answers and I'm going to be looking at the chart to see if we get a breakout. This looks like it's been a little bit more of a uh, buy into the rumor, sell into the news thing, but we'll definitely look out to see how Ford reacts tomorrow. Um, it, it, we'll, we'll see how it happens. You know, one of the things that I'm going to be looking at is also how this affects Ride. You know, Ride has been going up, going up, and that's what we're going to be talking about. Let's see what happens in this one and if we get a turnaround in Ride. All right, Chris, that's going to do it for us, at least on our topics of the day. We did have a great interview today. If you guys are just joining in and did not catch Mark Yusko, definitely check it out, guys. One of the things I think that he did really well on was speak about the different ways of investing. And at the end of the day, there's traders, investors, and speculators. At the end of the day, you have to figure out what are you and what is your account? Because one of the things that I do is I have accounts for investments and I have an account for trading. And you know, one of the things that he said is that traders usually don't use fundamentals, but it really depends on I mean, how, how, how big of a trader you are. That's what I try to use, guys. That's what I tried to add to my trading that really made me start winning um, was not trying to just use the technicals for trading, but also use fundamentals and the story. But definitely, guys, check it out if you guys didn't hear that interview. And up next, we got a great, great uh, power hour coming up. There's going to be we got an interview coming in. Uh, you know, anything you know about the, the power hour coming up, Chris? I saw that they have an interview with the CEO. It's a company that I don't know. So I'm going to be tuning in to, to hear more about that. Um, and then looks like they have a couple other guests. So, you, you know, the other thing I really liked, Mitch, from the interview is talking about the management teams, right? We've heard SPACs get bashed, you know, these celebrity SPACs. And I think those comments from Mark were, you know, telling, right? You know, Shaq's been an investor. He's got some experience. A-Rod, you know, if he sticks to a baseball deal, great. Otherwise, you know, does it kind of go out of his wheelhouse? Companies investing in space, you know, you, you want people involved with space. And, you know, I would say the same. We've seen some of these SPAC deals, right, where they're originally targeting, you know, cannabis and they switch to a different industry or, you know, having celebrities that maybe don't know the industry as well. So, you know, those are some flags that he looks for, too. So I thought that was pretty telling, too. Yeah, guys, uh, I'll take a look at a lot of what was talked about, but definitely, definitely we'll take a look. One of the things being mentioned in the chat there, Adam D saying that the only profitable EV will come from Tesla. I will take that lunch bet with you, Adam. Let me know. I need some lunch. I need to eat. Boy, hungry. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I don't know about that either. I, you know, I think there's going to be lots of players in the EV market. Some are going to fail, but we're going to have some success stories. And, and, you know, you're seeing the legacy auto manufacturers really investing heavily now. And I don't think they're too late to the game, right? You're, you're see, seeing, you know, some people saying that they're too late. Tesla is already too dominant. They're going to keep staying dominant. I, I just don't see that happening. So, you know, I look forward to watching that Ford presentation tonight to learn more about the F-150 Lightning. I know I want an electric vehicle someday down the road. So maybe it'll be the F-150 Lightning. We'll see. Well, it looks like I got my uh, mascot trying to join in, our new mascot here. There's the new mascot. We got to get a new one. So <laughs> looks like he's trying to join in here. So we'll go ahead and start wrapping up here, get you guys over to the power hour. Uh, looks like they're going to be having a guest called Pyrogenesis. 
I do not know about this ticker, but the ticker is PYR. PYR, if you guys want to check that out, definitely check it out. Should be coming up next. We'll get you right over. You don't got to go anywhere. This will get you right over to that. So definitely, guys, hit the like. If you guys enjoyed the value of today, definitely hit the like, hit the subscribe bell as we keep going through. We're going to be getting into, guys, our 100 thousand subscriber giveaway so definitely guys check that out check that out one of the things i'll leave you with is the video for that and how to enter into the contest i'll throw up the gleam as the video is playing here and then we'll go ahead and be wrapping up here and guys, pay payoneer tomorrow we have the ceo of payoneer on the show tomorrow so don't miss that either thanks again guys yeah watch this video find out how you can win a share of tesla all right, let's do it. Let's do it. It should be uploading here. Taking a little second there to upload there. A little bit slow on the StreamYard today. Looks like StreamYard does not want to cooperate. Let's see what happens here. But definitely, guys, stay, stay tuned. Power Hour coming up next, and we'll keep watching as the markets get hit. Also, come through tonight on Money Mitch. I'll be talking about how you can win in shorting. I know the evil shorts out there, but I can teach you a different way also, inverse ETF. So definitely stick around, check out Money Mitch, and here's that 100K subs. All right, guys, we'll see you at the power hour. Let's see if it takes us over there, Jason. <laughs>